0: Now, we've got an incredible lineup of podcasts here at the Heritage Foundation, so much good content, but one podcast in particular that we wanted to highlight is the Kevin Roberts Show. Now, Kevin is the new president here at the Heritage Foundation, and each week, his compelling interviews give a rallying cry for freedom lovers everywhere, and he gives us a playbook for how we can go on offense with our ideas. You can subscribe to The Kevin Roberts Show anywhere you listen to podcasts, so do it today. From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Descher, and this is Heritage Explains. In March 2020, at the peak of COVID lockdowns, we released an episode touting the strength of U.S. relations with Colombia. It was important because they were very cooperative in pushing back against Marxist Venezuela and Cuba's influence in the region. In addition, they were also relatively open to listening to us about China's dangerous infrastructure investments within the region. Since then, a lot has changed. Chiefly among them, Colombia has elected a far leftist leader for the first time ever. Victory. a Historic moment for Colombia as it votes in its first ever leftist leader. Former rebel Gustavo Petro has vowed to launch profound social and economic change.
1: Una historia nueva. We are writing history at this moment. A new history for Colombia,
0: for Latin America, and for the world. A new history because undoubtedly what has happened today with those 11 million voters is a change. What is coming is a real change. A fundamental change. Now, Petro's roots are revolutionary, as he is a former member of the radical M19 Marxist guerrilla group and praises the disastrous socialist regime in Venezuela and its patron communist regime in Cuba. Now, while this is a first for Colombia, this is certainly a part of a larger, more concerning trend happening in South America. Nations electing far-leftist leaders propped up by Marxist organizations. So what does this mean for the U.S., our close relationship with Colombia and the surrounding region? What about for our security? What is Communist China's role in all of this? And how is this Marxist hurricane sweeping South America being perpetuated? Mike Gonzalez is a senior fellow here at the Heritage Foundation. He's also the author of the hit book, BLM, The Making of a Marxist Revolution. He knows this stuff inside and out. On this episode, Mike goes through how this Marxist movement through South America is being fostered, its prime beneficiaries, China and Russia, and draws important parallels to our moment here in the U.S. and how we must respond. All right, Mike, Columbia, Columbia, Columbia. In March 2020, that's just over two years ago, we did an episode praising Columbia. You know, our Latin expert at the time, Anna Quintana, said Columbia is a bright example of freedom and a valuable ally to America. A little over two years later, <laughs> you have a piece with our heritage colleague, Mateo Haydar, in National Review. Using the recent election in Colombia where leftist candidate Gustavo Petro was elected, and now you say a, quote, Marxist hurricane threatens the Western Hemisphere. Now, we're going to talk about the playbook here, but this is a pretty stark contrast from two years ago. So first tell me, who is the newly elected leader, Gustavo Petro?
1: He's a former terrorist uh, and uh, present-day Marxist who is going to take uh, what was, two years ago, the staunchest U.S. ally in South America and is going to turn it uh, far to the left, uh, something that has many people, including me, very worried Hmm. because of the way it's going to deeply impact our national interest, Hmm. uh, something that we can— yeah, uh, we can least afford right now when we have a very, very, very weak leadership in Washington. If it's if it's any leadership at all.
0: Hmm. Well, let me just ask you that because I was I was reading. I mean, Colombia doesn't typically vote for far left people. I mean, this it is never has. never has. This is the first yeah, one. Never has. How did how was he able to connect his far left Marxist ideas? To a country that has traditionally not gone that way at all,
1: because first of all he hides it. He says he's not a really a Marxist, though he very much is. Hmm. Uh, they they hide what they want to do to Colombia, uh, uh, and and then you know as I've written, uh, Venezuela and, and and Venezuela's Cuban masters have applied a tried and true blueprint to Colombia that has worked in many countries before, and that blueprint is the following: you have a an event like the killing of George Floyd here. It's very similar to what happened in 2020, by the way. Hmm. And 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 it's no coincidence that the Black Lives Matter, the founders of the Black Lives Matter organizations are very close to Caracas and are members of the of the regional Marxist uh, forum, the Forum de Sao Paulo. It's amazing. Uh, so you have an event uh, take place. Then it is exploded and manipulated in social media, social media that is controlled from Caracas, by the way. Studies have shown this. Uh, then you have uh, uh, disturbances across the country. Then you have riots. You have demonstrations. the The president is stabilized. Uh, there are elections. Uh, the the left loses by a bare minimum margin, like Petro. That he wore, he won by just over fifty percent, not even fifty one percent. Then the president comes in, uh, calls in a, a new constituent assembly. They change the constitution. They get rid of the. Um, checks and balances, the, the the institute what they call participatory democracy, not representative democracy, right. which is a way of getting rid of checks of checks and balances under this new constitution. And you have a dictatorship uh, that ruins the economy—a Marxist dictatorship that ruins the economy. It is very, and it's very difficult to dislodge. Yeah. That's 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 uh, what has happened in Venezuela. It is very different. This approach is very different from the way, for example, that the Marxists in Cuba took over. They they took over there through the force of force of arms. China, Mao, took over through the force of arms. The Bolsheviks in Russia took over through the force of arms. This time they do it through an election, and that is the last uh, free, really free election, or, or the, one of the last free elections that the country will ever see.
0: What What is this? I mean, so now are we in a... A season of um, leftist control, or is this just a flash in the pan, and we're going to be done with it in four years? Or what? What does this mean then for for Colombia and the surrounding nations? I mean, you mentioned there's several other nations in the region that are either, they either have fallen or they are falling. Uh, to this extreme leftist Marxist ideal. So, you know, is this is this here to stay or is this just a flirtation?
1: Well, we don't know. We don't know because we don't know if the second round, the next round of elections in four years' time or so are going to be still free and the Colombian people, the Chilean people are going to be able to get rid of the Marxist president they elected. Mm-hmm. But you have the same thing, exactly the same thing happened in Chile with Boris uh, who is a, another Marxist, Xiomara Castro in Honduras, exactly the same thing.
0: One thing that I was curious about, and I and I asked you just earlier before we started the interview is is what China's role is here, because we know China loves um destabilization, especially when it does not benefit the United States of America. And all of this right now does not benefit the United States of America. So my, my question was, is, is China helping with this or is this just Cuba and Venezuela that's, that's, that's pushing for this?
1: Look, China benefits not just indirectly. It benefits directly. Uh, for example, uh, Brazil is going to have elections later this year in the fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the government, the conservative government of uh, uh, Jair Bolsonaro uh, could – doesn't look like it's going to win reelection. It's going to go to uh, Ignacio Lula da Silva, who's a, a, a another Marxist. Oh my gosh! And and uh, he was the one. The, the 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 organization that began all of this is called the Foro de Sao Paulo, which is Wait,
0: a, I, I just have to stop you, Mike. I'm sorry for interrupting. So you're saying now? So we've got Peru, we've got Chile, we've got Argentina, Honduras,
1: Ecuador. Not Ecuador. Columbia, not Ecuador. Not, not Ecuador. Not
0: Ecuador yet. Not, yet. not Ecuador not yet. Agree- but, but they're but, flirting with it. Yeah, Ecuador and is Brazil. being destabilized at the moment. And now Brazil.
1: Yeah, Brazil is gonna have this, elections. This
0: is incredible.
1: Yeah, I know, it really is. Uh, <laughs> it really is. And, all and, of South America. And it's, it's a cultural Marxist plan by uh, a, a regional grouping called the Four of the Sao Paulo, which was begun in the, uh, in the early 1990s. As soon as the Soviet Union collapses, and Fidel Castro is left without a sugar daddy. He establishes the Ford de Sao Paulo with Lula da Silva, actually, uh, as a way to bring communist parties, communist leaders, uh, of which at the time were very few, uh, non, uh, non-government uh, NGOs, uh, non-government, uh, uh, non-government actors, together to discuss strategy. And the Foro has—and the Foro, by the way, it's a, a completely bleak cult- in cultural Marxism. It understands the nature of culture, where well, you have to first uh, take over cultural institutions uh, before you take over the economy and the country. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so, so Lula, the man who creates the Foro de Sao Paulo with Fidel Castro in 1990, it could very well— Many people think will win elections in Brazil later this year. Right. Uh, so yeah, no, the situation is dire. Well,
0: Mike, let me stop you here because this is this is something that. Um uh, that we have talked about over the years. Now, as we see the Belt and Road Initiative, we see China making big investments in, uh, you know, uh, developing nations and third world nations. You know, they build out cell towers, they build out mass transit right. systems, right. they build out security systems, they build buildings all over the place. And of course, they're all—it's all, it's all a, a ploy to get intelligence, to gather intelligence. Right. I got to imagine that that's also going to be. Uh, up for
1: grabs here is in is Brazil, definitely. Than, yes, most definitely. And let me tell you something that China is very involved in, and this is really dangerous and scary. Uh, Iran, China, and Russia are going to have a joint military exercise in Venezuela mm. in August next month. <laughs> it's called Sniper Frontier, and Venezuela is hosting it. I believe it is the first time that these three truly evil regimes mm. are having military exercises in the Western Hemisphere. Wow. Uh, you know, Vladimir Putin has gone to war to invade a country uh, that wants to be free, the U- U- Ukraine, mm. um, uh, because he says, well, this is a threat to me. Well, you know, Iran, Russia, and China are going to have military exercises in our backyard. Wow. And it, it's doing so because they know that we have a very, very weak leader in Joe Biden.
0: Well, it's funny you should mention the Biden administration because um, Secretary of State Blinken said, quote, on behalf of the United States, I congratulate the people of Columbia for making their voices heard in a free and fair presidential election. We commend the many officials, public servants, and volunteers whose dedication made these elections possible. I mean...
1: Sounds like they're pretty excited about this. Yeah, no, Biden, <laughs> <I> mean... <laughs> Biden called Petro within like forty-eight hours. Huh. Uh we have to watch very carefully how the the, the Biden White House, especially the, 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 the vice president, who is, you know, one of the most leftist people in that administration, how how uh Juan Gonzalez in the National Security Council, how the State Department, how Blinken how uh, uh um, Jake Sullivan, national security advisor, we need to to watch what they do regarding this growing threat in Latin America because I guarantee you, Tim, that it's not going to be anything good mm. they don 't they, they it 's not going to be they 're not going to react in a way that uh, puts America. Uh, first uh in terms of our national security, yeah. which is really if you're in charge of national security and you're not thinking that the national security of your country has the top priority uh above everything else, then you're just not doing your job and you should be fired.
0: We call this a playbook and and, and we're we're making that case. W- what I want to know is is the playbook is as you say in 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 the piece, some form of land expropriation. They're going to propose confiscatory taxes on landowners, basically to you know revert it back to government control. I imagine. You mentioned environmental extremism, where they're not going to um, drill for oil, they're not going to expand their energy portfolio. Um, these are all things that <laughs> that that
1: we're doing. Here that's in the, that's the playbook after gaining power. <laughs> okay, the playbook that's important is the one on how to gain power, yeah. uh, and that is the one that was applied to Chile, Colombia, Peru, uh, and is going to be applied and and, and I, th- I believe was attempted here, which is an event in this in this case the death of George Floyd, which is then manipulated by very leftist individuals, i.e. the founders of Black Lives Matter, which then unleash. Uh, hundreds of riots throughout the country that are very costly, that completely stabilize the country, that cause chaos. We saw that here. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that leads to an election in which a a leftist leader is elected. We saw that here. And then after that, in the case of Colombia, uh, I think it's very clear he's going to expropriate lands, even though he says he's not going to. What he says is that he's going to raise taxes on land holdings that he deems to be... Uh, 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 underused okay. and it's the government that will decide what what a, you know what land is unproductive, and then he will hike taxes and if the owner cannot pay these taxes, well he just then leaves the land to the state uh, that to me sounds like expri- if straight up expropriation uh he 's going to stop drilling because he understands that extreme uh, climatism is a way to to also to choke off capitalism. That This guy is a Marxist. Gustavo Petro is a Marxist. He's going to implement Marxist policies in a country that has been the staunchest U.S. ally in in, in South America.
0: You wrote a book, BLM, The Making of a Marxist Revolution. You're comparing a lot of what has happened over the last two years here in America to what's the the playbook that's happening uh, down in South America right now. You're worried about where we're
1: headed here? Obviously, I'm very, extremely worried about where we're heading. Let's make clear, I have talked about the Foro de Sao Paulo, which is the regional grouping of of of, of governments, politicians, and non-state actors that are Marxists. BLM has attended Foro de Sao Paulo meetings. BLM ha- supports Maduro, which is the government yeah. that really it finances all of this. You know, BLM invited Maduro, or at least one BLM leader, Paul Tometi, to Harlem. She went to Caracas uh, during an election. She wrote a manifesto uh, uh, praising his participatory democracy. Once again, participatory democracy is a way of getting rid of the checks and balances Uh, uh, that representative democracy has. In representative democracy, you have representative government, and you have an executive, you have a legislative, and you have a a judiciary. Participatory democracy uh, pretends to give power directly to the people. What that means is you have an elected dictator that has um, dictatorial power over everything.
0: Well, Mike, we're watching this. We're going we're gonna to keep covering it because I think it is extremely instructive to, again, what we're facing here in America right now and uh, the future of our country as well as our allies and, our, I mean, I mean our, our former really good friends, uh, it seems like, and, uh, and we'll uh, be checking in with you as we keep it going. Thanks for being with you. We with still, we here. We still
1: have good friends there. They're just in the opposition now. Thanks a lot for giving me the time. Thanks for being here, Mike. Thanks.
0: And we want to thank Mike for doing that interview, really provided great context. And we are going to continue to follow this moment in Columbia. But we want to hear from you. What do you think of this podcast? Are we hitting the issues? What are we missing? We love your feedback and encourage you to leave us a comment wherever you listen or send us an email at managingeditor@heritage.org. at heritage.org. That's managingeditor@heritage.org. at heritage.org. Now, if you're not much for words, you can give us a five-star rating wherever you listen. We really appreciate that, too. Michelle's up next episode, and we'll catch you then.
1: Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Descher, with editing by John Pop.